God made them all. This morning, uh, I wanted to spend some time thinking about this block party that's around the corner, an opportunity for us to share the love of Christ with those outside of these walls. And so I've entitled this message, The People That Jesus Loves. And I started looking at Matthew chapter 9. I noticed that near the end of Matthew chapter 9, you see the compassion of Jesus. But as you start going down through chapter 9, you see a lot of different people that Jesus loves. And I believe that these same people will be at the block party. These same people are at the place where you work, the places that you go to. These people are. And uh, so... Turn me there. We're going to start this section of Scripture just to read to honor God. I want us to look at Matthew chapter 9, 36 through 38, the end of the chapter. So I'm going to ask you to stand in God's honor as we look at Matthew 9, 36 through 38. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Let's pray. Lord, as we approach you, God... We desperately need to hear from You, Lord. I ask for Your anointing. I ask, Father, that Your Spirit might fill me. And, Father, that through me I might be spilt, Lord. Your Word might come forth. And that we might hear what You want us to hear. And, Lord, that You might just move. Uh, Lord, we're just hungry for the touch of Your Spirit, God. We become dry so quickly, Lord. We forget You, and we forget why we're here. So, Lord, as we take some time to be reminded of the people You love, I pray, Father, that You might just show up in Your majesty, God. In Your name we pray. Amen. Look here, it's interesting. Just in these verses at the end of the chapter, we're going to go back to the start of the chapter, of course, and work our way down. But it says that Jesus, He saw the crowds. You know, it's so easy as you walk, as you, as you, as you go through the day, you're busy and you forget to look around you and forget to notice the people. Well, He noticed the people. Man, He looked out among the crowds and it says that He had compassion on them. That His heart burned and He noticed them. Man, He saw the looks on their faces. He saw the confusion. He saw the hurt. It said they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And He he cared about them. He noticed them. And so what did He do? He, He made a request for prayer. He said, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into His harvest field. And you know, guys, I think it's interesting. Uh... If you look at Matthew 5, the beginning of 5 through 8, what we know, or 5 through 7, chapters 5 through 7, what we know is the Sermon on the Mount. And it's interesting. Uh, go back with me to Matthew chapter 5, where this section starts. We read in the first verse Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. 
his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. So it started out, they were sitting on the premises. They were out there and then Jesus came and he sat down and he taught them the truth. And we need that. That's one, you know, one reason we come together to worship. We need to hear from God. We want to hear from His Word. And God uses the vehicle of a teacher. And Jesus, that's what He did. He taught the crowds. And I pray that His same Spirit will teach us as He promises that. But then, then He moves on. Look at, come to chapter 8. Verse 1. It says, when He came down from the mountainside, Large crowds followed him. Jesus went from sitting there on the premises and teaching, the crowds being taught, to where he left the mountainside. He left the place of teaching and went out among the people. And and so we're called to that, to sitting on the premises, to standing on the promises, to take those promises of God, to take how he speaks to us, and to go out there and to connect with the community. Connect with the people that are around us. So we have to be standing on the truth that we learn. It has to become internalized, become a part of us. And and then you come to chapter 10, verse 1, and it says, He called His twelve disciples to Him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and heal every disease and sickness. And then we come down to verse 5, it says, These twelve Jesus sent out. So we went from sitting on the premises, standing on the promises, sent out to the people. And you know, we have a unique opportunity here in under two weeks now, Saturday, last Saturday in June, where we're going to be able to host a block party. We have an opportunity for people to come and simply to know, hey, Jesus loves you. And we want you to know that. So we want to serve you. So we have an opportunity to feed them some hot dogs and to have some rides and have a petting zoo and just to have a a bunch of different opportunities just to let people know we love you. But guys, we have an opportunity too where we need to be His hands and feet, not just to assume they know that. We, we have an opportunity and a chance to, to tell the people when they say, why are you doing this? Why are you here? To simply say, look, God loved you so much that He came and He gave Himself. It was free, but it was not without cost. Man, it cost Jesus everything. And there is a cost here. There are people that are paying so that we can serve you, so that we can give this to you. But it's not that you pay it's that it's been paid. And it's just a wonderful analogy that we can find ways to share while we mingle with the different people who are there. And I pray you just chew on that and think about that as you bump into people. And I encourage you to, to come to that. To be a part of, of this block party. You know, in my mind, I don't know where you, you, know, you come up with these things, but I thought it'd be awesome if we could have 90% of those active and a part of Kingsway in some way part of that. I mean, I'd love for 100%. Be great to have ninety percent. I think last time we did this last year, I'd say we had seventy seventy five percent involved. Certainly not a stretch to have ninety percent. Are you, man? Are you ready to go? Are you ready to be a part? If you hadn't signed up, sign up out there. I, I love this because you know Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into His harvest field. But you know what's interesting here? We could, and I do this, I pray, God, send people here to Kingsway um, that you want here so we can do your mission. 
we can do your job. Save people, bring people who are saved, but just bring the people who need to be here to work, to serve, to love you, to carry out the mission. But what's interesting here is the people that were there, His disciples, those are the ones that were sent out. The people who are here now, you. I believe that the call is for you to be sent out, to be a part. Guys, and we have a... Encourage this prayer is such a key part. Jesus prayed. And we have a prayer guide on the website, uh, if you're on the internet, kingswaybaptistchurch.com. We had a prayer vigil. So grateful for Craig and, and Kim working hard to make that happen where we came over that 24-hour period and prayed for our own hearts and for the upcoming block party. But guys, that same vigil is still there on kingswaybaptistchurch.com. I'm going to sometime this week. I encourage you. Take the time to pull that up and go through that and check out your own heart. Make sure that we're ready. Have a servant's heart. That we're close to the Lord, clean before the Lord, and ready to carry out that message. He loves people. I love it. Uh, back when um, Oliver Cromwell was a leader of England, there was a real shortage of money, currency. So they came to him and said, We need... We need to find silver in the kingdom that we can use so we can have real currency. So they went out through the kingdom and they looked. And they came back. Uh, his scouts came back with a message and said, the only place we could find pure silver was in the cathedrals. There were statues of the saints. He said, so what do you want us to do? And Cromwell sent back the reply. He said, melt down the saints and put them into circulation. And guys, that's my prayer, is that God will grab a hold of the saints of God, you guys, and circulate us. Circulate us out there to be currency for the kingdom of God. To, to show forth Jesus and, and who He is, guys, who He is. Um, okay, let me look at these people here that Jesus loved. Verses 2, verse 6, 20 through 22. We see that Jesus loved loves those who are physically sick. And we meet two people here Jesus loved. It says, Some men brought to Him a paralytic lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, He said to the paralytic, Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. But so that they may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then He said to the paralytic, Get up, take your mat, and go home. Here was a guy, he was not able to move in his own strength. He had to have his friends to get him to where Jesus was. And there are people who are sick and they need others to help them to be just physically limited, handicapped, uh, stricken so that what many of us take for granted, they're not able to do. This guy needed help. A friend of mine likes to say, man, if, you, if you're vertical today, you're doing good, you're blessed. Many of us take it for granted that we can get up and walk wherever we want to go. And then this other lady, she was able to go where she wanted to go in her own strength. But she was marked by suffering because the Scripture tells us that for many years she had bled, subject to bleeding. Look at verse 20. It says, A woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, If only I had touched his cloak, I'd be healed. And of course, Jesus' healing... But here was a woman, she was marked all those years by blood, by pain, by discomfort. But Jesus loved them. Not only did He 
care about and love those who are hurting, those who need others to help them get to Jesus, and those who got to Jesus painfully. He even loved those snooty church people. And in verses 3 through 5, we read about them. It says, uh, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? You know what I really think happened to those um, religious folk? They forgot this. They forgot Jesus loves people. And when we stop loving people, we just become snooty church people and stop being the church. But that didn't mean Jesus didn't love them. He just wanted them to remember this. He just wanted them to remember that above all, He loves people. And we need to love people, guys. And then we see He loves the moral outcast. Look at verses 10 through 12. Look what we learn about Jesus. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with Him and His disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked His disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Guys, I I have found through the years, there's not a whole lot anymore that really shocks me that I see with people. We are all so screwed up. People are just messed up. There's just some... Everybody's got a problem. I got a problem. You got a problem. Hopefully I'm not your problem. But we got problems! That Jesus loves us. And there's some people out there, you know, they're just making some crazy choices that are bringing pain. And they hurt themselves. But Jesus loves them. Matter of fact, Jesus loved them so much, He went to their house and ate with them. And you know what I noticed about Jesus, I think it's really cool, is they were there when He showed up. He didn't knock on the door and they had all left and ran out because they thought, man, He's so holy, you know, I... I can't be near him. He doesn't want to be near me if he finds out what I'm really like. No, man, he was God. He taught with authority, but he was approachable. He was approachable by these moral outcasts, by the really, you know, crazy people we look at and go, huh, heard all that screaming next door and I heard something break in there. I don't think I want to go over there. Or by the people that, that just display these easy to see sinful patterns and habits and But Jesus loved those people. And and guys, we're called to love those people. And, you know, as I was studying for this, I read about Hudson Taylor, who was a missionary to China. And the communists actually hired this guy to write a book on Hudson Taylor. He followed Hudson Taylor around, and the idea was to dig up dirt on him, and then to write a book to discredit Hudson Taylor, because God was working through him, and they wanted it to stop. But what happened was... When he hung around with Hudson Taylor, he saw Jesus. He saw that he was real. He was genuine. He was authentic. That he really lived for the Lord. And so, instead of writing this book, he got saved. God entered his life and he instead he wrote something else. That Jesus is real. That Jesus is alive. Why? Because he saw Jesus in Hudson Taylor. And, and that's our call to those who are messed up... It, they just simply need to see Jesus, and I just pray that I'll be approachable, that I won't look like some, you know, shining glass saint that they can't talk to, or that people can't love. Hey, look, man, I have no false illusions. I'm a mess too. I need a Savior. All of us do.
Now, next one. Uh, Jesus loved those who have loved ones who are sick. Caregivers. Look at uh, verses 18 through 19. While he was saying this, a ruler came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him and so did his disciples. When Jesus entered the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd, he said, Go away. The girl is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. The crowd had been put outside. He went in and took the girl by the hand and she got up. You know, the first assumption is here's a little girl that had been sick. And dad had been one of the caregivers. And there's a lot of people out there who are hurting because they're caring for a loved one who is sick. And man, that is tough. That is a difficult place to be. When somebody you so love is physically sick and suffering and you want to comfort them, you want them to be healed and to get better, and yet you just keep watching them waste away. And I'm sure that that dad had those days. He was at the end of his rope when he came running to Jesus. And there will be people out there at the block parties. There are people all around us who are caregivers who are hurting. And they just need to know that somebody loves them. That they're not forgotten. In those tough days of just sitting there and waiting and watching and hoping. They need that. And then, of course, there's the obvious thing here, not only the caregiver, but the one who does lose someone to death. And I've always heard it said, and I don't want to know firsthand, that the worst thing to face is the death of a child. Here's a couple of quotes I found as I thought of this. Uh, children are not supposed to die. Parents expect to see their children grow and mature. Ultimately, parents expect to die and leave their children behind. This is the natural course of life events, the life cycle continuing as it should. The loss of a child is the loss of innocence. The death of the most vulnerable and dependent. The death of a child signifies the loss of the future and hopes and dreams of new strength and a perfection. Another quote, When a parent dies, you lose your past. When a child dies, you lose your future. This space is with me all the time, it seems. Sometimes the empty space is so real, I can almost touch it. I can almost see it. It gets so big sometimes that I can't see anything else. And one last quote that really touched me. A wife who loses a husband is called a widow. A husband who loses his wife is called a widower. A child who loses his parents is called an orphan. But there's no word for a parent who loses a child. That's how awful the loss is. Now, I can't promise that that loss will ever be totally filled until you're in heaven with that person. There's some of you that have gone through the death of a child who are here. All I can just tell you is that Jesus loves you. And our hope is that we are able to love you too. And I I pray that out there during that block party, we're going to bump into some people, guys, who have gone through this. And may God just introduce us to them and allow us to impact them and let them know Jesus loves them. That Jesus loves them. Okay, uh, next one here. Jesus loves the blind. Look at 27 through 30. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed Him, calling out, Have mercy on us, Son of David. When He had gone indoors, the blind men came to Him, and He asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then He touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, it will be done to you. 
and their sight was restored. These guys were blind. and They just knew that the touch of Jesus could heal their eyes. Jesus loves those who are blind. And I, I thought of those who are physically blind, but I also thought of those who are spiritually blind. There are a lot of people out there, and, and we want to treat them like they're saved people who are just running away from the Lord. Well, the truth is, guys, if they've never been changed by the Holy Spirit, by the very power of God, they've never been able to understand or clearly see God. They're not running from Him. They just never met Him. And we can't treat people who have never met Jesus like those who have met Him and are running away from Him. And Jesus looked out the crowds and He knew that they needed to meet Him. And they needed His life-changing power in their lives. And the blind need to see that. Those who are spiritually blind, who are unable to see because the Spirit of God hadn't opened their hearts and their minds to Him yet. And we need to pray for that to occur. The people that we bump into, that God will give us a heart to pray for that and that He'll do it. And He'll change them. That He'll, He'll work in their lives. That's just so, so critical. Thomas Huxley, who uh, was a real critic of the faith, he didn't believe in God. And one Christian who he wanted to talk to him, he came up to him and he said, Mr. Huxley, he said, I know you're authentic and I know you're genuine. He said, but it could it be that maybe you have kind of like a spiritual color blindness? You know, with a color blindness, there's um, certain colors that can't be seen. And so, you know, a person's just not able to see them. And he said, well, could it be that you just, you just can't see the truth that I see? That you're spiritually colorblind and unable to see? And he had to say, yeah, it could be. And that's what happens. They just can't see. Jesus has opened their eyes. And I just pray He gives us that kind of compassion to see people as they are who have eyes that are closed, hearts that are closed, and only Jesus can open them. Jesus loves the demon-possessed. Look at a 32 and first part of 33 here. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute, spoke. Beautiful. Here's a guy, we don't fully know the story, but demons had entered him and controlled him. He was miserable. He was a slave to evil. But Jesus set him free. You know, when uh, Cindy and I had the joy of serving at Victory Chapel, you know, Agape's come here a few times. And uh, there was this one guy named Eddie. I still believe Eddie was demon-possessed. But, uh, man, we would talk with Eddie and be okay unless you start talking about the resurrection of Jesus. You start talking about the resurrection of Jesus, he would get angry, get kind of nutso, you know. And one time, we were in this diner. Up there, you know, everything's the diner. So. We're up there. I still, they still don't, they don't know what sweet iced tea is up there or grits or they think pizza's pie and all that up north. But anyway, uh, we're sitting in the diner and there are these, some of the stuff we worked with were, um, you know, some former drug addicts and alcoholics and homeless people. Anyway, there were these two ladies that were part of our little ministry. Iris, which you met Iris. She's come here. 
and uh, another lady, Wendy. Uh, and we got in there and we started talking about Jesus and that Jesus rose up from the grave. And Eddie started getting mad. And I'm sitting here trying to talk calmly to him. And those streetwise ladies turned to me and they said, Pastor Todd, Pastor Todd, let us take him out in the parking lot. Just give us a couple of minutes, Pastor, and we'll fix him. They were going to beat the love of Jesus into that guy. Of course, I said, no, 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 no. That's not the way we need to deal with this. But Jesus sets those people free, guys. And that's what He did here. And chances are those type of people show up too that are under the control of the enemy. And let's just sum all this up, verse 35. (laughs) Jesus offers His love to everybody. Look at verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. I love that. doesn't matter what your problem is. Even me. God heal me. Amen. Every disease and sickness. Jesus touches lives because Jesus loves every life. We're all special. He loves us. And He loves those people that don't know it yet. And we have an opportunity to tell them He loves them. Tony Campolo tells a moving story about a middle school camp that was held. And there were a lot of middle schoolers at this thing. There was one kid who was handicapped and he had trouble speaking. His speech was slurred. And the other kids were like piranhas, man. They were really cruel to this kid because he was different. And they were mean to him. And it was obvious. And of course, the counselors prayed about it and tried to protect this kid, but you know, what do you do? And it came near the end of the week and they asked this kid to speak at the time of devotion, which... Like I said, it was really hard for him because it was hard for him to say anything the way he stuttered. So they got all the kids together and they thought, one more time to really, you know, to lay it on this kid, man. Let him have it, torture him. And it came time and he got up and they gave the kid the microphone. And uh, he spoke. Jesus loves me and I love Jesus. He sat down and all of a sudden revival broke out. Kids started crying. Kids fell on their knees. Kids gave their heart to Christ. And Apollo said years later, like, you know, 20, 25 years later, he still has people come up to him and say, do you remember that camp? That's where I got saved. What happened? Somebody that is easy prey to be picked on. Jesus loves them. 
I don't care where you are, what hurt you have, who you are. Jesus loves you and that's the hope, the message that we have. And we have an opportunity at this where all these people come together in some way to say, this does cost something, but it's not going to cost you something. We just want you to know it's been paid. Not just what we offer you here, but what God wants to offer you in Jesus Christ. And you know why? It's because He loves you. And we want you to know that, guys. And so I, I just encourage you guys, be a, a part of that. I, I want to be a part of that. And I just pray God does something big. <laughs> Why? Because I am a little selfish. I like to see Him do something big. And what fun to see that. Uh, just a couple thoughts as I wind this message down here. Here's a response. There's a response mentioned through Matthew chapter 9. And wouldn't this be cool to get see this response? When God's loving people, this is the kind of stuff we see. Look at verse 8. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to men. What were they praising God about? He healed that paralytic. The guy that was not unable to walk on his own. Now he could. He healed him, and the crowd was in awe. Wouldn't that be cool? That I'd just like to be able to see the crowd just be in awe and say, you know, there was something special here today. God was here. A second new spread of Jesus' healing touch of a little girl. He raised that little girl, that distraught dad. And it says in verse 26, News of this spread through all that region. Man, what a blessing. If news just spread throughout all of Bristol and the area, Jesus loves people. Jesus loves people. We came there and and we had a great time and, and He loves people. That's why they did it. Kingsway Baptist Church hosted this thing because they want you to know Jesus loves people. It'd just be so cool. Uh, the ones healed spread the news. Verses 29 through 31. These are the blind guys. It says, Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, will it be done to you? And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. I know Jesus told them no, but they couldn't help it. They were just so excited. And I just pray that there's such an excitement of being able to love people that the the news will just spread. That people will say, I saw the love of God there, and it spread. And then one last thing, and uh, as they say in the heel, stick a fork in me, I'm done. Um, Crowd was amazed at what God did. Look at verse 33. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. You know, I'm still, that's still my heart cry, guys. It has been for a long time. I just hunger. Call it selfish because in a sense it is, but it's not because God get the glory for it. I want to see God do something that can only be explained, God did it. And, and see, that's what happened here. This demon is driven out and they, all they could say was, look at what God did. And I just pray through this event and through other events and through things that we do that we might be able to see God do something where all we could say is, God did that. I might have been a bystander, but God did that. And may that be... The, guys, may that just happen. I, I just want to see that. I, that's revival. That's renewal. That's It's just God at work and... Man, we need that because we're just a bunch of dry bones many times. And may God just infuse life. That's what it's about. And, and as I close here, there is an altar that's open. And, and I, 
Guys, prayer is so central. I encourage you to come, if that's your heart too, to pray at this altar that God will do something that could only be explained that God did it. Uh, that God will touch lives and they won't be silent, but they'll say, Jesus loves me and this is why I speak. And uh, that there may be some of you that have heard about the love of Jesus, but it's not personal. And you need the love of Jesus in your life. You need to say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Live in me. Then this is for you to, to pray that prayer and to receive Christ and to know life and to come tell us about it so we can rejoice with you and worship with you. And maybe there's something else here God's doing. and That's why we have what we call invitation or response is so that we can just say, this is what God's doing. And we want you to know God's doing it. It's not me or anybody, it's Him. So this time, I pray if God calls you to come, we're going to stand a moment, we're going to sing, and God calls you to come. Let's pray. Lord, it's really special to think about the people you love because the truth is there's nobody Jesus doesn't love. And as we look at this Scripture, Lord, you sat, but you didn't stay seated. You got up, and you went where the people were, and you loved them. You touched them. And your power was displayed and your love became known. May it happen again, Lord. Through this body of believers who's weak and frail, display your glory, God. Touch lives, God. Start in me. There's sure enough some garbage that needs to be cleaned out, Lord. So your glory might be displayed. Clean it out, Lord. Show me where it is. Give me courage to obey, clean it out. God, to repent, to turn to You. I pray that for my brothers and sisters here, God. We're hungry. We're destitute. Show Yourself, Master. Glorify Yourself, God. In this time, Lord, we ask that You show up, Lord. In Your name we pray. Amen.